and welcome everyone this is now the 14th episode of the army of smartness podcast i am your co-host ryan and with me back in the saddle again my co-host mr jd jd how are you sir i am uh hopefully somewhat less phlegmatic than last week i want to go ahead and apologize to all in sundry after listening to last week's recording the coughing and hacking the hacking and whacking and smacking was just awful and i apologize for that i thought that the um the switch on my microphone would have you know the power switch would have helped me out there but apparently that is just for show uh so i apologize on, on that one uh but yeah no otherwise doing better feeling better um you know, we, we made it through another week. I uh, made it through a bye week without getting arrested, which is which is always a plus. How about yourself, Ryan? Well, you know, uh, since the uh, Braves sort of cut my uh, viewing habit short, uh, at least on the baseball aspect of things, uh, I had a, a pretty good weekend. I watched, of course, the uh, UFC fight uh, that was on Saturday, and uh, that was a pretty. It was a pretty good one. That. It's actually in Abu Dhabi, so the start time on it was. You do, and you'll clean it up. Yeah, and the uh, start time on it was actually two o'clock, and so I didn't have to stay up to midnight, which was good. That's nice. And now that they've done it one time, I really hope they keep doing it at two o'clock, just because sometimes these fights go into two a.m. Man, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. If they go, if they all go to decision, it just takes forever. And uh, I remember, you know, I, uh, unlike you, I did not get in the DeLorean and travel back to 2006 where uh, UFC is still a thing. But, uh, you know, I remember back in those days when I did watch it. Yeah. You'd be up. You, you're going to be there for a while, which I did enjoy. I'll have, you know, sir, UFC is bigger today than it was then by far. Well, so are we, <laughs> this is true, but Hey, I hang out with, uh, us too so i might as well hang out with ufc we've been we've been going. No, I, mean, I enjoyed ufc uh immensely i remember uh, me and my buddies used to rent the tapes in the 90s back when it was a one night tournament with no weight classes and oh, that yeah. was some that was phenomenal and i remember you know uh, uh through it's really started to get main i thought mainstream popularity with uh chuck liddell tito ortiz randy couture those guys in the early 2000s um the big thing that kind of took me out of it although i still was a fan for a while was uh the ultimate fighter and uh, watching how they behaved around the the reality show house aspects of it was like wow i hate all of these people i don't want to see any of them ever again <laughs> um but i kept watching for um you know, through that that finale, which was great, the Bonner uh, Griffin, just brutal. Oh, that was so great! I have fond memories of that. Mm. But also, I was a big um, GSP fan, uh, Anderson Silva, all that, all those folk. Um, just you know, Chael Son- Sonnen, the best promo in the business. If he could actually win a fight, you know, uh, I think boosted him a poor, little bit. But his, but his mic game was strong. Poor Chael, yeah. he he got this. Poor Chell, he got as close as anybody ever got to beating Anderson Silva. Oh, yeah, I uh, remember that. Got choked out in, I think, the last 10 seconds of the fight. Something like that. Yeah, I remember and, watching that, and I was like, oh, man, come on. That's why they call him the spider, man. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, well, speaking yeah, of Anderson. spiders are bad to choke you. They'll get you. Speaking, uh, speaking of Anderson Silva, he's actually going to be fighting Jake Paul this weekend. Uh, so, And is this, this is the one that's in WWE now. No, uh, that's Logan no. Paul. Logan Paul. Yeah. And Aaron Paul is the one from Breaking Bad. Yeah. 
They're all related, I take it. I, I don't think and they're all been riding Aaron's coattails for a while now. Uh, now Logan is a uh, Pokemon card collector, right? Yeah. That's his fa- that's why he's famous. Well, yeah, that and that YouTube show thing he has, and never heard of it. Went uh, five rounds with uh, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, yeah, and I heard about that. That was nice. Good for him, man. Yeah. Now, to be fair, he's never heard of this show either. So, you know, he, we're, we can go tat on that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I think his is doing a little bit better than ours. Well, um, no, noted uh, noted knockout artist, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, right. And uh, definitely didn't, uh, <laughs> definitely known for some boring fights, but uh, known for winning each and every one of them. So, well, I mean, like I just said, I was a big fan of GSP, and that was his strategy in those uh, five round title fights. He, you know, put a sandwich on your back and starve you to death for three rounds, and he'd stay away from you for two rounds. Just completely stay away and not let something, you know, exactly. shocking happen to him. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember me and my friends used to ask each other is what if you had to fight either Anderson Silva or GSP, which one would you do? I would say Anderson Silva because he'll just knock me out immediately. Right. Yeah. <laughs> GSP is yeah, going to make me stretch it for three rounds and then stay away from you for two. I'm going to be exhausted, beaten, and morally and just morally demoralized. You know. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this was never close whatsoever. But keeping that in mind, guys, we certainly appreciate the support. Thank you for listening. We uh, also want to encourage you to check out our Facebook and check out our Twitters at Army of Smartness. Email armyofsmartness at gmail.com. We appreciate the five-star reviews, uh, the comments, the good comments, the nasty comments. So long as you comment, uh, that's what we're looking for. So, uh, J.D., to sort of kick things off here, and this is, uh, you know, oftentimes i say oftentimes but at at times uh there are some difficult things that happen both in the wrestling business and in broadcasting in general uh and this was uh, a tough week for mr kevin nash um his son tristan uh passed away from a seizure uh last uh wednesday i believe it was uh, uh kevin nash obviously a, a long-term wrestler and uh mm-hmm. probably changed the business for the better himself and uh they had just started this new podcast i think they're what maybe 13 14 episodes in about as yeah, long as we've been around yeah they've uh yeah right around the same time actually i think and so, um they've got a little more traction than we have but uh, but uh yeah tristan was uh helping his dad out and tristan actually uh the the pers- event that led to his death was uh he actually quit drinking and uh cold turkey now when you quit drinking cold turkey obviously within the first uh i think 48 72 hours there is a heightened risk for a seizure or or for dts Uh, so you have to really be careful when he said seizure i wonder if it was dts yeah Uh, Yeah. i'm not a doctor not a medical doctor don't know yeah i have never personally heard of anyone passing away from that I have never personally quit drinking, so, um, (laughs) well, I I hadn't, you know, I hadn't even read of someone passing and the reason that they had the seizure was that, uh, but uh, you know, Kevin to his credit did come on his podcast this past week and he, I could not believe that, but good on him. I suppose he, uh, he really, he really let it all out there and, uh, made sure everybody know that the show was going to go on and, uh, 
the amount of strength this guy has is oh yeah i mean jd you as a father i mean you could symp- sympathize but you also got to recognize just how much that hurts oh i can't imagine that, yeah that no I, I was hurt. thinking that same thing as i was watching i can't imagine but uh anyways obviously we want to extend our sympathies to kevin and the whole family and you know, yeah, honestly, his only child, right? Uh, Tristan well, was his only son, his only yeah. son, obviously, but his, his only child. I believe. His only child. Um, That's awful. Oh. Not yeah. that it would have been any better if he had more kids, but I'm just saying it's just, I can't, that part I can't imagine. Well, Kevin even said himself, he was looking to, uh, looking forward to spending his golden years just hanging out with his son. Yeah. And uh, obviously he can't do that anymore. <clears throat> and I, I can't, uh, again, I, I can't imagine uh, how difficult that must be, but, uh, we definitely yeah. want to keep, uh, the Nash family, our thoughts and prayers and, um, you know, just, uh, I don't even really know how you smooth that over. It's just, just time is all I can imagine. Um, you know, it's just, I don't have any words of wisdom for it, but yeah, because what can you say? But yeah, he. I, I hope he's going to be okay being Kev. Um, and he's always been a fairly level-headed guy about the business and about life, seemingly. So yeah. I, I'm confident he'll be fine. Uh, it's sort of a double whammy for him, too, because th- this week also was Scott Hall's birth, or would have been Scott Hall's birthday. I think the day after Tristan passed is my understanding, if I have the timeline not, right. It, it was the day before or day after. Yeah, so, um, you know, and Scott obviously having died, just recently here would have been his first birthday since he died. Um, so, you know, Kevin probably not in the best of moods to begin with, but now this unspeakable tragedy. So yeah, uh, our, our best wishes to them and sorry for their loss. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. What can you say? But yeah, uh, you know, JD, I, I, I certainly have a lot of uh, love and respect for the Nash family and, and that, but, you know, rest in peace, Tristan, we, but we want to bring everybody up here. We, this is uh the, our, our episode here is about the monster heels. And uh, we've talked about heels. We talked about baby faces. Uh, however, we do think we need to make a distinction here on monster heels. So we need to talk smart. Well, yeah, the ice coldest tag in possibly the history of wrestling. I appreciate that, Ryan. That's good. That was some had fantastic to do, transition. Had to, had to get out of there somehow. No, I get it. <laughs> no, we are talking smart today, and that is our term for the day, monster heel. Now, we talked about uh, long, long ago in the before times, we talked about the uh, the difference was between the baby face and the heel being the good guy and the bad guy, respectively. Now, there are you know, multiple ways to skin, uh, skin the cat as it were, and in being a heel, one of them that we're going to talk about today and keeping with the Halloween spirit is what's called the monster heel. Now, <clears throat> what this basically means is an unstoppable force of some magnitude, a, a really good comparison, um, outside of the, um, wrestling genre would be, you know, a Michael Myers or, or a Jason, uh, you know, these keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. You can't, there's nothing you can do to stop this guy. Uh, you can hopefully delay him um, <clears throat> long enough to get away. So, I mean, that's kind of the idea between a, a monster heel here. Uh, and there's even a few little variations of it as we'll get into our Mount Rushmore's here 
in, in the next few minutes. But basically, the idea is that they're they present some sort of a primary physical threat to to the baby face, whether that be in height or weight or a combination of the both. Uh, you know, Braun Strowman uh, would probably, when he was a heel initially with the Wyatt family, would be considered a, a monster heel. Um, you know, that's been done with varying degrees of success. Obviously, um, the great Kali uh, would have fallen into this mold as well, but perhaps not as successfully as some others. He, well, I mean, he, his primary rivalry that I can think of off the top of my head was with Batista, who started off as a monster heel, uh, both with uh, Devon and um, uh, in Evolution there until his babyface turn against uh, Triple H at WrestleMania in 2004. Four, five, four, five, five. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, that's a monster heel. They pre present primarily a, a physical obstacle for the um, babyface to um, overcome, as opposed to a um, you know a wrestling heel. Who Kurt Angle is, is a technical challenge. You know, he just uh, as we said before, put a sandwich on your back and starve you to death. There's also the classic uh, chicken shit heel. Sorry for the, the expletive there, but that's what they call it. And that's your classic Ric Flair, uh, Shawn Michaels, when he was a heel. A lot of times smaller guys, you know, they, they, they're not going to have the size to really pull off the monster heel role. And with the monster heel, I think you see some some crossover. We're going to talk about it again on the Mount Rushmore with the, the crazy, you know, what I call the axe crazy heel, uh, like a mankind who uh, is a big guy, but you don't really think of him as such necessarily. Mm -hmm. But you just can't kill him. You can't keep him down. You can't, you know, you throw him off a, you know, a cell. He's going to climb back up the top of it. So anyway, uh, that's a monster heel. And that is today's Talking Smart. Oh, monster heels. Gotta love them. You ran into a couple of them that uh, later in life actually became sort of a joke of themselves. And uh, they would dance around and i guess you could say they uh dance to the monster mash maybe but uh but uh georgie animal still comes to mind and you know uh he was, monsoon was, was a, a monster heel yeah and but uh, later in life sort of became uh i don't want to say a joke but it just hung around so long that everybody loved him and they well a comedic figure and, yeah, yeah certainly with the, i mean because he had the the same antics that wowed them in the 60s and 70s, you know, were comedic by the, the mid to late 80s there, the, the tearing and eating of the turnbuckle and, and you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, right. I, guess, I guess a certain amount of nostalgia had built up by then. Sure. But, but of course, uh, you know, so JD, I, what we've decided to do here is, is one, if you've listened to episode three with us, we, we kind of uh, like doing Mount Rushmore's. So, we decided to give a Mount Rushmore, each of us, uh, on who we believe are the best uh, monster heels. Now, before that, I think that there's, because obviously we're not uh, as old as the business is, there are uh, certain heels here that we just don't really know or watch, or unfortunately, because we weren't there, we have no idea about. But uh, I was doing some research and trying to figure out who was really the first uh, monster heel that you would consider to be a monster heel. And it's, it's sort of difficult to say, to say who the was the first, but I can tell you one of the first was a man by the name of happy Humphrey. 
Uh, he is holds the record for being the world's largest wrestler by weighing in at over 900 pounds at one point. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, well, this is actually at one point, he was in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the heaviest person ever. And he was actually from the Macon, Georgia area and grew up on oh, a farm. Yeah. But uh, he broke into the uh, business actually by wrestling a bear for 28 minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. And later, I guess, graduating to wrestling people. Harley Race, uh, obviously, this goes to show you just how long ago this was. Harley Race was 17 years old when he met Happy Humphrey and uh, was his driver of a 1951 uh pontiac that the promoter had reinforced because there was actually nothing that could really take this big bastard around in um and so he he sort of reached the top of his popularity when he headlined a sold-out show at the garden against none other than haystacks calhoun uh this was a, a feud that was actually pushed pretty heavy by vince mcmahon yeah, yeah. So you did there. and uh Anyway, so Humphrey actually retired in 1962 and uh, was actually a part of a groundbreaking obesity research project at uh, Medical College of Georgia in Augusta. Literally uh, and metaphorically groundbreaking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't don't want us don't want this to sit too heavy on your heart. Uh, <laughs> want, want. Anyways, so you had a big heart. The doctors called it enlarged, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Humphrey would actually go on to lose 570 pounds over two years after he was admitted. Uh, and it's, it's interesting Thanks, because Craig. Yeah, he was given three different diets. So uh, one was high in protein, one was high in fat, and the other was high in carbs. Uh, the high protein diet proved to be the most effective at losing body fat. The happy was happy was keto before keto was cool. Well, there were the one that was high in fats more keto. Now, well, the high the, protein also big deal. You want high protein and high fat. Big thing is obviously low carb. Yeah, I mean, you, <clears throat> so it, certain keto diets can just be high in fat and not quite so high in protein. Those but, diets are lame. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why you do them. But uh, anyways, so the the high protein diet was the most effective. The high fat diet. Uh, lost a lot he lost a lot of weight with that as well but half of it was uh body fat a quarter of it was water weight and a quarter of it was uh muscle hmm. that he actually uh lost and then there was one that was a high carb diet and he was able to still lose a lot of weight on that but he was losing half of his body uh, it was uh, i want to say it was like 40 percent of it was body fat uh and then like 30 percent was muscle and then the rest was just water weight um and so from there congress of course took these findings and decided that we should go with a high <laughs> a low fat high carb diet <laughs> and that's what they course, were promoting to be. that's what they promoted for I don't know, the better part of 50, 60 years. <clears throat> well, is that, uh, you know, our, our good friends, the, the, the grain farmers and producers of America, maybe they, they had a little something to do with that. Maybe so. Uh, but I, I know Hubert Humphrey was uh, really pushing this one and uh, it, it was almost 
I mean, I, I'm assuming that the that the uh, I, I guess big bread uh, <laughs> yeah, threw, right? threw some cheddar that way, and uh, big bread with his yeasty tentacles into a, the highest <laughs> levels of our government. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, you, you don't want to mess with big bread. <clears throat> no, apparently not. He'll, he'll now, a, a fun uh, anecdote about uh, Harley Race and Happy Humphrey. Uh, Harley had to drive Happy around. Uh, I believe, if I'm remembering the story correctly, did he have to take the front seat out of the car, like the front passenger seat out of the car, and sit in the back, basically, and then Harley would sit in the in the driver's seat and drive I be- around. I believe that's what it was, and they also yeah. had they also had to um, add some more like steel on the inside. Uh, yeah. Apparently this guy was <laughs> something else and, and they had to get better shocks and all, all kind of stuff. Um, and of course, Harley, uh, in the Japanese young boy tradition, uh, in the style of that tradition had to bathe Mr. Humphrey as he was not, uh, uh able to fit into a regulation shower stall, especially I guess in a locker room shower. Yep. So he'd take him out back and hose him down. Yep. Had to hose him, had to hose him off uh it's kind of sad whenever you see that on my 600 pound life by the way well i never have seen that on my 600 pound life so <laughs> Dude, I, think we'll, I think i'm gonna keep that record intact you'll you'll watch that show and go run a few miles i promise i shan't i already did my few miles <laughs> earlier today so no um no i yeah no yeah so happy humphrey uh you mentioned his uh titanic bout with uh haystacks calhoun whom we have mentioned on this show before from the um fictional town of morgan's corner arkansas uh <clears throat> weighed in allegedly well over 750 pounds but perhaps a little more agile than uh than happy humphrey if not perhaps as happy as happy humphrey i, I don't really know uh, but yeah haystacks was a very famous I've seen a lot of pictures of him. I haven't seen that many pictures of Happy Humphrey. Uh, Haystacks, though, was just a massive dude. I remember seeing him in the ring uh, in battle royals. He basically just stand in the middle and people would come and bounce off of him. That was mm-hmm. the uh, the basic strategy there uh, for putting him in the battle royals. And he tended to win those uh, because what collection of people was going to get him over the ropes? I mean, uh, what, so- what rope can allow him to get over? Oh, yeah, you're just going to snap the top rope. I mean, I don't know if that that counts or not uh, matter of fact um, there was i believe there was a match that he had with buddy rogers uh buddy rogers drop kicks him and it knocks uh, the he snaps the middle rope falls out onto the floor and it's uh <laughs> it's a win for buddy rogers so what okay interesting that's an interesting i'll have to see i have to go over the rule book at that point i don't know uh what rule that would have violated well it was uh they they did a count out after he oh count about the price yeah. couldn't get back up yeah, yeah, you probably could have counted for an hour, and it probably wouldn't have gotten up. Well, you know, at the uh, speed modern referees count, counting to ten takes about an hour. So, you know, that that sounds about right. Uh, but yeah, no, um, William D. Calhoun, Haystacks Calhoun, was a big attraction back in the day, as Jr. is often fond of saying that such and such a wrestler is an attraction. I Meaning, basically, the less you see of them, the more effective it is every time. Uh, and this is actually, I think when we get into our hall of fame, may, may discuss, uh, the big show. I mean, obviously he wasn't ever this hefty. He was, he, he was always a trimmer individual than this, even when he ha- had a bit of a weight issue, <clears throat> but you know, does, is he diminished by the more you see him? So anyway, 
uh haystacks the the nickname apparently comes from an appearance on the art linklater house party show if that name art linklater sounds familiar he also hosted kids say the darndest things uh he was the host of kids say the darndest things that didn't drug people's drinks um <laughs> wait, wait wait now there, there were so many right yeah well i know i don't want to name any names here i don't want to go around telling tales out of school <clears throat> but, but art was definitely not one of the ones that did well, so, were, safe in fact, to, more than one safe to say art's got 99 zip zops but a zoopity ain't one exactly yes that would that would work too uh so yeah <clears throat> so yeah on the house party show where he was tossing full bales of hay into a hayloft and i have never attempted to lift a bale of hay have you have you ryan can you give me some experience on that I, strong matter of fact i yeah grew up on a hay farm as a matter of fact um well, hey tell me about tell, tell us a little bit about the hay farming industry well, so an average uh, hay bale is going to be anywhere from around 50 pounds, basically anywhere from 35 to 50 pounds. And if you're trying to throw it into a high loft, um, it's, it's one, it's an awkward throw. Uh, two, you've got hay dust hitting you all in your face. And three, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to throw it as far as you think you can. <laughs> um, I don't think I can throw it very far. Yeah. I, I just, uh, yeah, you can. I mean, I, I've seen some people, you know, grab it by the strings and do a twirl it around and then toss it and get a pretty good distance with it. But uh, Haystacks, I think, just grabbed it and threw it. So, okay. So, I'm looking here, looking a quick, a quick Googling will tell you uh, most medium sized hay round bales. Now, this is the round bale, this is the big mm -hmm. one that's between 700 and 900 pounds. I yeah. want to, I want to see a square hay bale or a rectangular. Okay, a, a standard two-string square hay bale weighs between 40 and 75 pounds. Yeah, we never did anything over, I think the biggest we ever got was like 55. See, I have carried uh, two 100-pound packs of uh, roofing shingles up a ladder, but I've never uh, uh, tossed hay into, into a hay loft. Yeah. For for reference, also a full keg, because you see the strong man guys, they do, they do the, hay, the keg tosses, that's 130 pounds so yeah if it's full but they have handles <laughs> they do well they do have handles i mean the hay bale has strings but yeah yeah but the, we, we the, shan't quibble the the tension and the strings are such <clears throat> that i mean wear gloves yeah. what's the matter with you what are you raised well, I mean, in a barn I, I, actually I, you have a farm you may have been raised in a barn well i spent I a lot of time in there hell might, uh, might have taken uh, might have taken a few naps you never know yeah. uh but yeah no it's mm -mm. And get that little nonsense glove stuff out of here. We got hands. God gave us hands for a reason. If he wanted us to have gloves, he'd have given us gloves. He did. They call, they're called uh, various woodland creatures that you make uh, leather out of. So cows would be a good one, probably. I'm, I'm going to assume there's probably a horse. I he gave you coal miners. You can make gloves out of coal miners we discovered <laughs> on, on, this, on this program. Uh, well, wait, like coal, <clears throat> coal miners? We just go in there and take our pick of one and... Apparently, it takes quite a bit of coal miner to make one glove. That's all they had was the one. Yeah. Well, so, kind of, kind of like an infinity glove, huh? You know, like an infinity stone. Okay, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, you kind of, kind of look at it. It does kind of look like Thanos's glove. Fair enough. But, uh, well, yeah. Where Morgan's were we? Corner, no, we were in Morgan's Corner, Arkansas. Um, <clears throat> so I think that is as good a transition as we're going to get into our perspective, respective Mount Rushmore's 
of wrestling monster heels. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I think uh, when when you think about monster heels, and this is kind of what I'm thinking as far as Mount, my Mount Rushmore is concerned. I'm looking for giants. Uh, that that's just me personally that that's what uh appeals more to me than just a bad looking dude i'm looking for the guys where you just sort of look at and crank your neck up and up and to the point where it like hurts your head to look them in the bottom of their chin and uh so that being said number one on my mount rushmore of uh, monster heels is going to be none other than almost Almost, obviously. Almost, you're close. Okay, well, yeah. uh, is going to be none other than Andre the Giant. Um, obviously, Andre Rusimov. Uh, what what can you say about him? He's the eighth wonder of the world. He was giant, uh, and he not only that, but he sort of showed other giants how they should <laughs> they should conduct themselves. But don't you dare take any of his gimmicks um he was uh really really that first uh i won't say first but he was definitely the most widely known monster heel probably of all time on a national scale and even international certainly but <clears throat> once the national um once wrestling became a national product that's what i'm trying to say i think yeah you're probably right. he's the first of that era yeah, and he, I mean, he would go on the shows, and of course, there's the famous ones where he puts his entire hand over uh, uh, the, Gene. yeah, the, Gene well, Arthur. is it, was it Gene? Okay, I was thinking yeah, of yeah. the sports announcer, Euchre. Um, well, he, he, he throttles Euchre, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, earlier in, in an AWA promo, when they're bringing in um, uh, uh, Andre, as they would do in the territory system, uh, they, you know, he worked technically for Vincent jay mcmahon uh vitz k's father in, in uh what was the wwf later the wwf later the wwe uh but in that northeastern regional territory and then he would be loaned out uh, around the country to do battle royals and for shots as we talked about with an attraction the more you see it the less it means so you know you got to get rid of andre every you couldn't have him there every week uh or else it wouldn't have been special anymore uh, so he would go around. Anyway, long way to answer to get to in the AWA. He did a, he did a uh, promo with Gene uh, Oakland, who was not a large man by any stretch of the imagination, but did have a pretty big head. <clears throat> and you know, held Andre's hand up to, to his head, and it was about the same size. And he, you know, and then Andre, you know, covers his face with covers uh, Gene's face with his hand. It, it's pretty entertaining if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and not only that, but he uh, he he really left the business in in much better shape than whenever he found it. Uh, yeah, and he, they've tried to replace him ever since, and it's never all due apology, you know, all respect and apologies to the big show. It's never really happened. Yeah, it just never, and it probably never will. No, uh, you you can't. In I mean, for those of you uh, that are Princess Bride fans, I mean, you know, Andre transcended the i guess the typical uh, monster heel to and it to become an international superstar yeah is that uh, the best movie a wrestler's been in still i'm just trying to think off the top of my head i'm trying to think what would even um challenge uh, they live um it's no princess bride i, mean, I love they live i love rocky three 
Uh, love what Batista was doing in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not putting any of those against Princess Bride. I don't think. I, I mean, I always liked it. I, I, I mean, Mister Nanny, obviously. So Sur- Suburban uh, Commando. I mean, right up know. there, sure. I ain't even gonna lie. I love that movie, but uh, also yeah, featuring just, the Undertaker. Uh, I mean, you could. Pick, I guess you could make an argument on a number of rock films. Um, could you though? I'm not. Um, a, I'm not a huge um, watcher well, he, of his. Well, he's just nothing again. Like clearly, it works. I, now I'll say this: he gets, like he's. He I have not pop, seen popcorn Black movies, Adam. which is now I've heard awful things about it. I want to go see it. I do want to see it. I want to support. I do love The Rock. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from him, uh, but he he's the guy that makes blockbuster movies, and that's great. That's a, we need that guy. Mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm not not saying anything against it but i mean princess bride obviously while not a blockbuster it is certainly a popular film um but yeah i think it's 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 going to be up there in, in terms of artistic merit i guess you would say the wrestler the um you know darren aronofsky uh mickey rourke joint would, would yeah. be up there in tor- terms of artistic merit um anyway maybe rambling now yeah but so anyways yeah andre the giant i don't think that there's been a bigger monster heel anywhere i I think there's been very few wrestlers period uh to ever reach his level um both (laughs) both uh figuratively and literally um but uh anyways jd who's number one for you well yeah not to uh echo you too much here but yeah I, i think you have to go with andre at least i do uh so he's on mine as well we're not gonna repeat shot for shot here but we definitely have andre in common although i do have to say it wasn't really <clears throat> to my knowledge until that wrestlemania 3 build up and run uh with hogan and a few yeah you know, the few years thereafter that andre was actually a heel he was a, a, primarily a baby face in the territory days and, and leading up to that WrestleMania three run. So it's kind of a counter example in a way, but he did it so well and he personified the role so vividly that no one's ever caught him on that. I mean, you know, I, as we talked about last week, it doesn't have to be for a long time. It just has to be good enough, right. To be hall of fame worthy. And clearly his, his heel run, um, you know, was certainly that. So uh, I'm going to, this is going to sound like, um, contradict myself later on but hopefully uh that i can explain that away but yeah i'm gonna go with andre as well i got you well uh why don't you go ahead with the number two yeah i'll go ahead with number two and since you stole my thunder i'm gonna steal some of your thunder that's right it's time it's time time for me to steal your thunder it's vader time uh monster heel not necessarily in a height sense although he was a tall tall man um leon white uh, otherwise known as vader uh or for a very very brief and regrettable period the mastodon um was a tremendous monster heel just a massive human being he he did most of probably his best work i think everyone would agree in japan however um he did a, a tremendous job in wcw maybe some of his better days were behind him by the time you know we would have seen him in the wwf because uh, these guys you know a lot of them especially with a you know a vader a bam bam and you know earthquake tugboat the, the the beefier the girthier fellas 
the heavy set, shall we say, fellas. Sometimes they don't have the longest run, and it's not great on your joint. Even just height is not great on your joints. But, I mean, that that excess weight, you look at a Yokozuna as well, you know, that sort of excess weight, it doesn't last that long for them a lot of times, unfortunately. So I think that maybe some injuries call up the Vader. I think maybe he wasn't as used as well as he thought he would be because in Japan and even to an extent in WCW, you could, you could use a stronger style uh, that was not, um, you know, going to be accepted in, in the WWF of that era, especially. Um, so, yeah, Vader probably not the proudest of his WWF run, though maybe not entirely his fault. Also uh, not the proudest of his shoot fight with uh, Paul Orndorff. Although, to be fair, let's be fair, Orndorff had a weapon. He had a flip-flop. So you got to watch out for that. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, Orndorff, not a man to be messed with. (laughs) Speaking of of heels. (laughs) But, not uh, a monster heel. He's a body not a mo- heel. But, not a, yeah, but, not a monster uh, heel, but but a legit badass to be sure. Yeah, and uh, Vader found out real quick. But uh, yeah, the, the the classic f around and find out. Exactly. So I'll give you my second one, and my second one might come as a bit of a surprise. Uh, my second one as a monster heel is none other than the Ugandan giant Kamala yes aka sugar bear harris sugar bear aka james arthur harris um gosh i just remember as a kid watching the you know these old uh the wwf but also with his uh he had a run in mid-south and world class as well mm-hmm. and speaking of uh andre the giant this is uh, you know a lot of people give uh credit for either harley race or um Hulk Hogan, of course, being the first man to slam Andre. Sugar Bear was doing it before all of them. Oh, yeah, he was doing and, it before it was cool. And so Kamala <clears throat> uh, not only was a, a great heel, uh, of course, he was uh, perceived as being from Uganda and as more of a headhunter or a uh, cannibal. So, yeah, he, uh, of course, Bruno, a.k.a. Harvey Wilpelman, uh, was also part of his little crew with kimchi and kimchi was the guy whose biography needs to be written sorry they need to make a movie of downtown bruno's life he's woven <laughs> through every freaking wrestling story and territory yeah i, I thought yeah. i thought you were gonna say kimchi aka brooklyn brawler yes absolutely kimchi actually he, he wouldn't be a bad one he wouldn't either. be a bad one no you say that offhandedly he wouldn't be a bad one but you know harvey whippleman he just pops up everywhere. That dude's a bad penny. Well, I, I'm thinking with uh with Brooklyn Brawler, I, I kind of want to hear the story <laughs> about going to get Rikishi food. Like, <laughs> you know, I am a little, yeah. I am, a, I am a little curious about that. I'm like, how much and what did you? But yeah, uh, hopefully he's but, putting that on the corporate card. But no, Kamala was a, a terrifying individual. Uh, you you see the old videos of him coming out and WWF and and those and I mean they would pan out to a little child and the child is always terrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was so well done uh, personally because I know as a kid when I'm watching this, this dude is scaring the hell out of me, and uh, just because I, I think mostly because of his uh, war paint that he wore. But uh, and, and you talk about a guy. That was a heck of a presentation. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about a guy that just, uh, 
uh, was the complete opposite of his character uh art uh he was actually yeah. a foot hunter which is weird uh in real uh, life yeah, yeah, no, yeah sorry, he, that's tony Alice. i'm sorry go ahead no, wrong no, guy. Well, well no he he uh he lost his uh so he, he was yeah he of, lost his foot ironically yeah. enough yeah to the diabetes yeah and uh so yeah a real monster of, heel it kind of was uh looking i i gotta go kamala did he have you know did he win belts actually most heels most monster heels don't uh because they don't need it but uh right. or if or if they do it's it's transitional at best and, well and you know you look at where the monster heels being used the wwf and then wwe made made a living out of it and that that was hulkamania that's what hulkamania was once he got past piper basically it was finding giants to slay whether it be king kong bundy where whether it be Andre, obviously, where yeah, you know, I think he had a run with uh, the Barbarian, maybe, and the Big Boss Man is is mm -hmm. you know not a giant necessarily, but a big big dude. Um, yeah, we talked about Earthquake and Tugboat becoming Typhoon. Uh, yeah, that that was the that was the blueprint. Um, and of course, Hogan's gonna, you know, Hogan must pose, pal, is, is what we've always heard. So he's gonna prevail over most of those uh, 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 giant challengers yeah and so yeah i'm going with kamala number two uh rest in peace sugar bear um jd you want to take number three yeah that's fine i um uh, you know i don't have these in any particular order of, apart from andre probably being number one so uh i just threw out vader because i wanted to get our our crossover ones done uh done and behind us um i'm going to go with a little bit of a blast from the past bruiser brody uh, and I'm not necessarily going for the way you're going for it in pure uh, measurables, shall we say, height, weight, that sort of thing. Although Frank Goodish, Bruiser Brody, obviously a very large individual. I, I go with who is the physical threat to to the baby face. And Bruiser Brody is a physical threat to everybody in the arena, literally. Uh, he, he would throw chairs into the crowd and sling his chain uh, around. It wasn't Brody. Brody was like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what I mean. he's a big dude, uh, too. Okay. Yeah. But I'm saying, but okay. that's not just that's not all there was to him. He was no, six. I mean, eight. Kamala, Kamala, I mean he, he was sorry. Uh, Kamala wasn't that tall, but he was you know big old boy. Right, but I mean he was you know weighty yep. fella as well. So, uh, but yeah, Bruiser was a big man, but at the same time, he just brought this raw intensity and just the he felt dangerous. Like it just you look at this guy, you look at what he do, he does. In the same vein as like the Sheik, who obviously was not a not a huge guy, uh, the original Sheik, not the Iron Sheik, but he he had that same sort of uh, palpable, you know, danger about him. Um, and I think that you know can be a very good monster heel as well. Uh, Bruiser Brody made most of his bones in the territory era. He, uh, you know, was a fixture in Texas, be it for uh, Houston, Paul Boston's Houston wrestling or uh, world class uh, is maybe where he got his most national exposure. I think he did some, you know, had some runs in the AWA and probably too many territories to name. Uh, but yeah, famously never really got his run in uh, WWF. I think the word is that Hogan didn't like him or didn't want to work with him or, you know, maybe it's part of the Luger thing um, that happened in Florida where, wherein uh, Brody basically just went off and Luger just gets out of the ring and leaves. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. This is, you know, forget that. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I think it was mostly 
because Bruiser was an incredibly intelligent guy um, and was one of the first, along with Jesse Ventura, to really kind of take a stand for the you know rights of the wrestler as employees and as a, as a union kind of a guy. Um, I've heard stories, uh, not just him, but I've heard of Bruiser doing this basically on a card that he was advertised at. If he wasn't happy with what the payoff was going to be, or so he was told what the payoff was going to be, he would, before his match, walk around outside the curtain to make sure everybody saw him and then threaten to leave if he didn't get <laughs> didn't get what he wanted from the promoter. So, you know, they couldn't make this key. So, oh, he, did, he couldn't make it tonight or whatever, whatever. But yeah, no, Bruiser Brody an incredibly impactful talent. I think had he had a national platform would have been a superstar. Unfortunately, he ran afoul of the dirtiest side of professional wrestling um, and not just in Puerto Rico, but anywhere, but this happened to happen in Puerto Rico where he was allegedly uh, stabbed to death in the shower by by a fellow wrestler who shall remain nameless at this point. However, dark side of the ring did a tremendous, tremendous episode on Bruiser and his, his murder down in Puerto Rico, uh, Dutch Mantel was there. Tony, the aforementioned Tony Atlas was also there, uh, and they gave spine-chilling stories about it. But that yeah, Tony, I, that Tony Atlas, what a storyteller! Yeah, no, I, I, he, yeah. I mean, you you can watch the shoot interviews. I mean, he's just such a like. I, I I've met people <laughs> like uh, Tony Atlas where they just sit there, and I can just sit there and listen to them just tell story after story. Mm -hmm. uh, to me as far as like shoot interviews are concerned tony atlas is one of the better ones uh, yeah and, and like one of those deceptive ones he's never known necessarily for his mic work uh in in the business but as you said a very engaging uh storyteller and you just yeah like you said listen to him for hours and yeah, yeah. but it's uh yeah very 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 much worth finding going out of your way to find anything he has done of course dutch was a little bit more known for for being a talker in his career so no no real surprise there he, he can tell a good story as well uh but they got a lot of material to work with here because it is a fascinating tale of you know murder and corruption and yep. just oh my god it's it's a it, literally a nightmare um yep. so yeah bruiser brody is going to be my third uh pick here not like i said even though he certainly had stature but he, you know, I don't want to steal too much from other folks, but as JR points out, an aura of malice, I think is what, what he calls it. And it, I don't know if there's a better description for Bruiser. <laughs> this is true. Well, it's funny that Bruiser Brody menace. is, aura is your, uh, it's funny that Bruiser Brody is your number three because uh, my choice for number three uh, actually had his first match ever with Bruiser Brody. I am talking about, of course, The Undertaker. Mean Mark Calloway. Oh, yeah. AKA Mark Calloway, the dead man himself. The most, you got to probably say that this is Vince McMahon's best character that he ever created. Has the most uh, longevity, certainly. Yeah, I would say it's probably his, his most successful for sure. I would think uh, so, yeah. And, uh, I don't think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, his, uh, his first, uh, match that he had was, was with Bruiser Brody of all people. Yeah. And, uh, I think he had said that he had, uh, been training for, you know, maybe a few weeks and, uh, 
Buzz Sawyer, <laughs> of course, uh, famously ditched him. Taught him to write a check, is my understanding. Basically, and he says his first match is with Bruiser Brody. Uh, first match, he is accidentally a little too stiff with Bruiser at the beginning Oops. of the match. And <laughs> Bruiser proceeds to pull him out of the ring and dish out the biggest ass whooping that he's ever had in his life. <laughs> and he's, oh, yeah, he swore, right. he swore up and down that he had, you know, that bruiser is just going to kill him after the match. And, but apparently what Mark had done, the undertaker, Mark Calloway at the time, uh, he cut bruiser across the forehead and wasn't supposed to do it. <laughs> and he said, you know, bruiser is going to beat my ass. Like after this match, Meets him out back. Bruiser comes up there, looks at him, shakes his hand, said, good match, kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I guess he got what he needed to do done in the ring there. He said, well, near, nearby the ring. <laughs> he said, well, you know, he had a few other matches with Brody after that. He said, I was light as a feather in the next ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so gosh, the nineteen ninety Survivor Series debut uh it's probably yeah it uh it it was uh it it was just crazy uh this character comes out and the undertaker has um all this all this heat and these these kids are looking at the undertaker and they're terrified of him uh, i was that, one of those kids terrified that, of the that i mean that was real that was real for a lot of kids back in the day uh and i i still from that pay-per-view uh which we will be watching later uh spoiler alert uh this couple of those kids eyes just stand out when they panned out right. to them into the crowd so kids nothing there's some grown folks in that audience looking at him like yeah. what in the world is this yeah there there is some grown folks out there too but uh it, you know obviously later he became a baby face and and i think um yeah, I just I I like him both as a babyface and a heel, but I I just think he had a lot more memorable moments as a heel, uh, perhaps than he did as a babyface. Um, so that being said, number three for me is gonna be the Undertaker player. And I feel like I have to defend my not having the Undertaker on this list, and it's gonna sound weird considering I said that Andre wasn't really a heel for all that long. Undertaker was for longer, but going back, apart from his first couple of appearances, and I mean his first, very first appearance in the Survivor Series and his feud with the Ultimate Warrior and all that stuff, uh, I remember him mostly as a babyface, and that's why I left him off. Um, I remember, you know, against Mankind, he was technically the babyface most of the time. Uh, you know, later in against the corporation, he was the baby face. Uh, later in the American Badass gimmick, for the most of that, he was he was the baby face. And then by the time he came back, he couldn't have been a heel, really, because, you know, as we've talked about, the, uh, the, the nostalgia was so strong. He was basically a baby face pretty much the rest of the way out through his next 10, 12 years. Well, Ministry of, of Darkness. Uh, yeah, there was some other, and I'm not saying he wasn't a heel. He was a heel for an extended period of time, but to me, looking back, I see him more as a babyface. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> right, yeah. So, yeah. He, well, I remember him as a babyface and a limo driver. Well, uh, you know, they did uh, They did uh, perform a crucifixion. So. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it was That's, a symbol of fiction, first of all. And it may have been a metaphor, much like the big boss man hanging. Uh, me a metaphor. So, it could be a symbol. It's a symbol. 
No, but yeah, I'm not going to argue that he wasn't a heel as well during those times. And certainly he started off that way. I remember being terrified when he uh, locked the Ultimate Warrior in a coffin. I was afraid that the Ultimate Warrior was going to run out of air and had my, you know, eight-year-old brain at the time put a, put together the fact I think they had a timer down at the bottom of the screen is how long the uh, Ultimate Warrior had been locked in the cask. I was like, maybe they had this planned ahead of time. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe I, I, I didn't know. No. I figured, you know, in football games, they have a timer on the screen. That, that's not, that's live, pal. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, it made sense to me. But, no, I remember being absolutely terrified of The Undertaker, and I'm not going to argue against his inclusion by any means. I just don't have him on mine because – and I, I meant to. Like, as I started off thinking about it, but the more I thought about it, the more I, like, ah, I think of him more as a baby face, frankly. Uh, kind of the same rationale why I don't have Mankind on there. Um, now – I do. I mentioned Mankind, I mentioned The Undertaker, and I don't think you can mention those two without mentioning the next one that is on my list, Kane. And I feel like Kane is more of a heel. Like, And I made the allusion to Mike, Michael Myers. Uh, I guess Mike Myers, too. He's pretty creepy. All right. Um, you know, like earlier in the, the podcast here, as it's just that unstoppable mute uh, monster. I mean, he, and that's the thing with Kane, especially, and I'm, I'm limiting my talk here mostly to good cane by which i mean masked cane um so he was unknowable and alien you know he had the mask on and you didn't think that oh yeah this was dr isaac yankum dds or oh yeah this was fake diesel uh no th this was some monster put together like none other you know uh for a while there uh who, who made even the undertaker so we thought so intimidated that he wouldn't fight him uh, for the longest time when, when Kane first premiered. Uh, you know, I, I, he just was this unknowable, stoic, silent, badass killer. I mean, I, I thought Kane was, you know, granted, I was in already in high school or I was in late middle school. So I wasn't physically like I didn't think he was going to come to my house and murder me like I did mm -hmm. with The Undertaker or, or God forbid, Zeus. Zeus scared the crap out of me. And I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, and the no holds barred movie so it wasn't like that but it was still like man this is an effective like wow this, this guy's scary um so you know i put kane on there uh for my list of heels especially like i said back when he was silent the big red machine um and just who knows what he wants, right? I mean, he wants the Undertaker, but beyond that, what are his motivations? And that that story being unfolded and uh, crafted before our very eyes is one of the better stories, I think, yeah. in wrestling. Um, you know, so credit to, I think Bruce Pritchard had a big hand in that. I think Jim Cornette uh, has had a big hand in that, especially I think teaching Kane the Michael Myers sit up in the ring, which Undertaker mm -hmm. did as well. But uh, Kane, you know, you sit up and turn the head um deal which was just you know giving him a second life both he and undertaker obviously were, were known for that um but yeah i think maybe maybe it's just to me it's just something about the mask made it even scarier yeah that mask was gnarly looking oh it's uh, great I it was it. it was uh, uh the, I, i'd say like his whole get up gosh it was scary well, and the hair, uh, like, down into his face. So you couldn't even see the mask. Like, there's a mask on a mask, in, in a yeah. sense, right? Like, his mask is obscured. His face is obscured by the mask. The mask is obscured by the hair. It's just how many layers of horror are there to this guy? Exactly. And, 
now that horror of a man as mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Go dogs. Glenn Jacobs. Uh, but yeah, dude, Kane. Kane was crazy. Uh, number four was me for was uh, Vader. Uh, so we've we've already discussed Mr. Vader here. Uh, this is you know the the man from uh, well, Colorado, right? Yeah, uh, Col- uh, yeah, from the Rocky Mountains. From the there, from the Rocky right? Mountains. As a matter of fact, that's where they said he was from. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because if you if you watch, uh, I think it's Wrestling with Shadows. Uh, <laughs> Brett just talks about Vader. He said Vader's a big baby. He's like he's the nicest guy you ever met in your life. Yeah, and I was like, he was well, born in California, but he went to school uh, in Colorado, and so he was kind of that's when he got into wrestling, I guess. When he well, got out of that school there. Well, I I think that there might be a Kuwaiti reporter that would offer <laughs> a, a counterpoint to our man in Kuwait, <laughs> Mr. Hart, uh, because obviously, uh, you know, the reporter of course said that wrestling was fake or you know something to that effect. And, Ask if it were, or something. yeah. And so Vader just smacks the hell out of him, and says, "Does that feel fake?" And then he charges at him, grab him like. I, I, anyway, like flips. I think he flips him over out of his chair and like he walks up. Like, is, does that feel fake or something like that? But yeah. uh, long story short, he uh, he had to spend a night or two in jail in Kuwait. His Kuwaiti vacation was extended by a small amount there. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, our as uh, luck would have it, the Undertaker was right there beside him. Yeah. Uh, so now, to be fair, the balls on this Kuwaiti reporter guy—you got Vader and the Undertaker sitting right there—and you're gonna you're giving some some back sass. <laughs> so good, good on you, man. You're, you're braver than I am on that one. Yeah, but I also uh, put an honorable mention here for Yokozuna. Yeah, uh, this is—he uh, was a monster. Uh, just an absolute, just a physical specimen. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you see somebody this, obviously he dresses up like a sumo wrestler, uh, to that point, I had never seen a Japanese person, I guess, uh, not too many of them. And so even though the, the man that played, uh, Yoko's in a Rodney, uh, I know, I think, and a Y and a Y and anyways, he, That's uh, my understanding he's a, he's actually Samoan. And uh, part of the family, same family that the Rock is from. It's all the same family. I feel like. Yeah, it's just one. It's just <laughs> it's one well, of the, all of it. All the family and Samoja. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's it. If you're a Samoan wrestler, you're either from this family or you're Samoja. Basically, yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, so I, I just thought that, especially with the Mister Fuji with him, I, I just think yeah. that they they played so well off of each other. And man, I, I was terrified, especially God, can you imagine being a jobber? And be like, oh, you got Yokozuna tonight. <laughs> oh, by the way, his finishing moves, he lands on you. Yeah. His, he's yeah, eight, nah, 550 no, pounds and he's about to sit his fat ass on top of you. Right. And, and, uh, and since you're a jobber, he's got to pose for a while. So mm-hmm. take a big breath before it happens. Yeah. He, you're going to be there a minute. <laughs> he, he will get up when he decides he's going to get up. Hopefully you're still here. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to throw out an honorable mention as well uh, for Abdullah the Butcher. Um, sort of, if you take, you know, Yokozuna's in terms of size and Bruiser Brody in, in, in terms of insanity and uh, put him in a blender and sprinkle in some chic for, for flavor, you basically got uh, the wild man from the Sudan, uh, Abdullah the Butcher. And just, uh, you know, 
talk about an aura of danger. I mean, this man, if it's not going to be the fire that gets you or the, you know, the scissors that get you, it's the hepatitis. That'll take your right out. Um, so he, uh, he, he just, a uh, just, a who knows what's going to happen with this guy. Right. I mean, he's just insane. Uh, so, I, I just love it when Cornette and the great Brian last roast Hannibal. Uh, oh my God. I tell you, <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, for those of you that are wondering what we're talking about here, uh, Abdullah the butcher was actually sued by Hannibal, uh, for giving him hepatitis. So Hannibal, the wrestler, not Hannibal, the, uh, the, the, the comedian or the general or the Carthaginian general for that matter, or, or the doctor or yeah. Or the actual cannibal, this bring it full circle back to, uh, to Kamala. <laughs> but yeah so See, it, all, it all lines up man wrestling it all connects anybody else on your honorable mentions there bud uh no we obviously you know undertaker uh we already talked about him um I, I would put him as an honorable mention you know say what you will about you know maybe some of his other other points to his career but earthquake and typhoon both man mm-hmm. they, the natural disasters huge 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 deal and real real threats to uh hulkamania you know at the at the time uh was it was an earthquake that squashed hogan and they they did the the deal where you had to send hogan a get well card or something like that Mm -hmm. and that's how they got your name and address for the catalog that's sent to you uh so it's just a huge marketing ploy but it was apparently incredibly effective so yeah i'm gonna give them props as well now i don't think they had the sustained longevity oh uh another honorable mention in, in in the historical context i don't think we mentioned it was joe LaDuke, the uh the, oh, yeah. the french canadian lumberjack who would cut himself cut his arm with an axe mm. um yeah so he, he was a big scary monster dude as well um but yeah for honorable mentions i, I could we could keep going but uh i won't so there yeah. i think those are the ones that spring to my mind yeah, guys, if you if you really want to watch a good show that talks about wrestling right now, Tales from the Territories, uh, that comes on Vice. Oh right yeah, they now. talked about that, didn't they? Uh, they yeah. actually show a video of Joe That's Luke right, cutting himself with an axe on his arm. Yeah, I, I'm but not he did sure. that all over the place. Yeah, it wasn't just uh, in Memphis, but yeah, Joe, Joe LaDuke was. I'm not sure. He looks crazy. I'm not sure what that proves, but okay, <laughs> don't mess. Proves with he's him. crazy. That's the point. I mean, like it's that thing with the you know the movie and the. Yeah, the bad guy in the movie turns around, shoots his buddy, says, "I liked him. What do you think I'll do to you?" Yeah, it's it's that theory, I think. Yeah, basically. But I I felt the need to uh, throw in a not Mount Rushmore. These are my bottom four. Uh, there you go. So coming in at number one should so be negative. Should be uh, well, it's so bad it's good. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going with number one or number last, if you will, uh, the Yeti uh from from the wcw uh you know he uh, apparently attempted to rape hulk hogan uh while he was uh made his appearance at halloween havoc 95 i believe that was and yeah uh, yeah i believe so and so yeah uh just bad real bad ron reese well also they didn't know what a yeti was because he came out wrapped up in toilet paper like a mummy which those of you playing along at home is not at all the himalayan legend of the yeah. what we call the abominable snowman the yeti 
Well, and uh, he was also supposed to be uh, portrayed by the next person on my list, uh, Giant Gonzalez, aka Eligante. Oh, George. Eligante uh, was a uh, baby face, but Giant Gonzalez, uh, when he was in WWF, was a heel. Um, by all accounts, everybody seems to have really nice things to say about him as a person. But, except uh, for his wrestling ability except for his wrestling ability he's well, almost yeah. eight foot tall you really can't right. do much with what are him. you supposed to do i mean and and the way he got involved in, in wrestling was and god bless him it wasn't his fault he got drafted by the atlanta hawks to play basketball because they guess these figures somebody that tall that would be just you know lean over and drop a free throw in at least he couldn't do that either uh and so turner basically had him under contract so well hell let's throw, throw him in wcw see what happens Let's get some use out of this guy. Yeah. And uh, so he was a sort of an unwilling or unwitting participant in, in the uh, wrestling game. Uh, so God bless him. But yeah, not <clears throat> good. Not good. Yeah. Bad. And bad. Uh, next on my bad list is great Kali. Um, Kali. Uh, you know, he had some funny moments here and there, but as a monster heel. Punjabi no. playboy does not work for me um i think the punjabi prison is quite possibly the worst idea outside of halloween havoc chamber of horrors uh they've tried it twice it's not working i can't see through bamboo uh so it, hopefully we learn our we lesson our on last that. hopefully and but, uh, um, quick side note about the great Kali. uh myself and friend of the show will attended a house show in macon georgia in 2008 i'm, I'm gonna say and kali does qu cut quite an imposing figure coming to the ring i mean he's standing flat-footed on the mat outside the ring and appears to be looking dead eye level at the top rope from the floor i mean just a massive human being i mean so i you get where they wanted to, at least it was worth a shot to see if there's anything there um as we, we've said oh several times already they they keep chasing andre the giant they've never caught another one um god bless the big show but the reason i don't think he's on this list is because he was flipped back and forth babyface heel babyface heel and not just babyface not just babyface and heel but not a credible threat to indestructible force of nature like there was no in between for the big show he was has anyone had so much ability not just potential but actual ability and been so misused for so long I don't know who. I mean, there's something. To, be. There's something to be said about a, a big seven foot. Uh, well, in truth, he's six eleven, but still, not the uh, point. Uh, uh, but he can throw a drop kick. You know, Good, he, yeah. he can take a, a superplex off the top rope. Uh, when I he mean, came he's... in to WCW, he was like three hundred and change. I mean, not like a, mm -hmm. you know, not not too much over that and he had like a 36 inch waist which hell i've got a 36 inch waist now as we speak or sort of 38 you know whatever not the point that we're making but he was a, a trim guy uh for for his size so i mean yeah and a hell of an athlete he could kip up he could dunk you know he could dunk a basketball and throw a drop kick as you mm -hmm. say so i mean yeah a, a hell of an athlete but just there have been people more misused, but I don't think there's anybody been as misused, misused for as long Yeah, as the big show. And uh, the last one I'm going to mention on my not Mount Rushmore bottom four is uh, Mabel, Big Daddy V. 
um just as a heel well really not too much as a baby face either i wouldn't say it was the worst baby face but uh the him as a heel it just never really worked um he was not safe in the ring and uh, i just it didn't have he didn't have talking ability not that a monster heel needs to have that i mean whenever he was with men on a mission and they were they were a baby face i thought that that worked well for them um as a heel um just never really worked out outside of See, a tag I'm, team i'm gonna i'm gonna counter argue that a little bit i thought he was in a very effective uh had a had a very effective heel presentation we'll put it that way uh, the initial run of viscera yeah and with you the know, ministry you, like he uh, got the got the blonde mohawk and the the yeah, white I, I uh, contacts in like that was a scary looking dude and as part of that whole ensemble and the uh in the ministry because at that point you had obviously the undertaker viscera uh midian uh the acolytes um yeah that, that was a strong yeah. stable and he fit right in there on that yeah and i i guess i should make the distinction here i'm saying mabel and big daddy v oh uh, yeah not right. viscera viscera not the best i wouldn't say he's the worst though um no he's not, certainly not a mount rushmore guy but no. or, you know but yeah I, I thought he had a very effective for that limited amount of time he, he was very effectively presented as a heel monster heel yeah yeah, I, d- I didn't think Viscera was too bad. Um, other than that, uh, I think this is uh, going to wrap up our Mount Rushmore list here, JD. Do you have anything else we want to add to Mount Rushmore? Uh, no, I think that we're we're good on that one. All righty. Well, I guess we're going to go for the cover, the count, and the victory on this one. I want you guys, each and every one of you, to hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter at Army of Smartness, email Army of Smartness at gmail.com. Next week, we are going to be reviewing none other than the 1990 Survivor Series. The 1990 Survivor Series is infamous, more than famous. It's infamous. Yes. According to the three amigos uh regarding el huapo and it is infamous as the first the very first and only so far as i know debut of the undertaker you only get one debut so that you is only true. get you only get one debut and also there is a um well let's just say it's sort of it, it's sort of laid an egg wah, wah. <laughs> But anyways, JD, any parting wisdom for our audience? Yeah, I just want to throw it out there. We are taking requests for for shows to cover. Well, it doesn't have to be a pay-per-view. It could be any topic you want in, in the wrestling uh, sphere. But I want to point out, uh, if you give us a five-star re- review on uh, a rating on Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever service you're using, give us a five-star rating. Your, your request goes right to the front of the line. Yes, sir. So I uh, just want to point that out and uh, certainly happy to, to entertain any and all of those. Absolutely. So JD, I will bid our listening audience. adieu. do. I do.